Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So, good to have you with us today. We're going to continue in our series titled Olive and Fig. And uh, I actually have a lot of things to say this morning, so I need to move through everything really quickly and do my review quickly and then share with you what we're going to talk about today in part two of our series of Olive and Fig. Um, It is a study on the fruits of the Spirit. I would invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. We'll read our main scripture verse that this whole series is based on. Then we'll make our confession of faith and we'll pray together. But you can turn to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. Probably if you grew up in church like I did, this is a familiar piece of scripture. And one that you'll be encouraged by. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Last time I checked, it's not against the law to have some self-control. Amen. <laughs> There's more to it than that, but it's, a, it's an encouragement this morning. Let's go ahead and make our confession of faith. You'll see it on the screen. Those who are watching and joining us online will see it on their, on their screen as well. We love to declare this as we enter into the word. Let's declare it out loud together today. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Father, we thank you that today we're growing in the things of God. We're growing in the kingdom. We're growing in our understanding of who you are. We're growing in our relationship with you. Lord, it's our joy, our expressed joy to come into your presence and to fellowship with you. It's our joy to receive and partake uh, from your word today. Lord, we thank you for this another opportunity that you've given us to be able to peer into the scripture and to learn and to know you, to be challenged, to be stirred up and to grow and ultimately become the people and the church and the individuals that you've called us to become. Father, I pray that you would grant unto us wisdom today, that we would understand the mysteries of of your word, that that, that your word would be unpacked and revealed uh, to us on the inside side today. Clear out any confusion. Bring wisdom where there was wisdom lacking. Uh, and Father, we just thank you. We're, we're hungry and we are ready to receive from you. We give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say, I'm hungry. hungry. I'm hungry to learn. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to continue in part two of this series titled Olive and Fig, and it is a series on the fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to go as quickly as I can through review because I I have to say a lot today. There's a lot in my notes and a lot that the Lord uh, has been unpacking in my heart this week. Today's message is going to be a challenge to you, and I want you to understand that right up front because I love you, I care about you deeply, and I'm invested in your success in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and every now and again, we need to go to the word like we go to the gym and expect, uh, expect to be stretched, expect to uh, you know, be, be uh, challenged. And so that's what we're going to experience this morning, but it's also going to be inspiring, uh, I believe, and informative and helpful to you. Real quickly, let's review what we talked about last week. We talked about the fact that the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of God's character being formed in us. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of God's character being formed in us. We talked about the reality that in order to walk in the Spirit means that we're not just walking in the gifts of the Spirit, but also walking in the fruits of His Spirit. Uh, that so often we think of being spiritual as being, uh, you know, walking in the gifts of the Spirit, things like prophecy and, and uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues, and we need those things desperately in our lives, and we get excited about those. But it's just as important that you learn to walk in love as it is that you learn how to prophesy. Amen? Can you say amen to that? And so uh, Paul gives us this beautiful backdrop of the, the, the fruits of God's Spirit, Uh, And that backdrop is that we walk in the Spirit. 
We said that fruit needs a few things in order to grow. Uh, Number one, it needs nourishment. Amen. We said that only healthy plants produce good fruit. And we said that that nourishment is the word of God. We said that fruit needs water. And that this speaks of the spirit of God. If you've ever had a plant that died, maybe it was because you didn't water it enough. Amen. And there's a lot of Christians that don't get enough spiritual water. Can you say amen? There's a lot of, there's a lot of Christians don't get enough Holy Spirit. So they're like a plant that's, that's starving for water. Amen. We said the third thing that's needed for a plant to produce fruit is light. This speaks of revelation knowledge when the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates something into our heart. Every one of us at some moment in our life has had those aha moments from the Holy Spirit where it's just like a light bulb goes off and you go, I can see. Amen. And then the fourth thing that we said that all plants need in order to produce healthy fruit is healthy soil. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the soil And you're going to find out what that means. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at one of Jesus' most well-known parables today. Mark chapter 4. My closing point from last week is where I want to start today. That is that the fruit of the Spirit has got to be formed in you and in me first before it becomes manifested on us. Remember we said that if you want to be a conduit of joy to people or a conduit of love to people, then you have to have love and joy working on the inside of you first before it shows up on the outside. Everything in the kingdom is an inside job. Amen. Everything that happens in the kingdom starts inside and works its way out. If you want to walk in love, you've got to first learn to receive love. And that's one of the hardest things for people to understand is that, you know, they, 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 they desire, they hunger, they crave to walk in love in their life. And then somebody tries to love them. And for some reason, their pride gets all jostled up and they don't know how to receive love. You can't give what you don't have. Amen. So the fruit of the spirit has first got to be formed in us before it can be evidenced or before it becomes evident on us. A tree or a plant that is void of life on the inside will not produce any fruit at all. I can remember my grandmother's garden as a kid, my mom's mom. We grew up in, uh, in urban New York. We grew up in, in the middle of Niagara Falls, New York, which is a city, and, and uh, I grew up on blocks. If you grew up in a city, you know what it's like to live on a, on a grid where streets go one way and avenues go another way. It's nothing like what we experience here, okay? So, so I, I was a city boy for a lot of my life. And, and I remember being in my grandmother's backyard, and there was a bunch of backyards this way and a bunch of backyards this way, and, and she had her little area carved out. And my grandfather had uh, built this garage at the back side of the property, and, and to one side of the garage was a beautiful garden, uh, there, there were Italian immigrants that came to this country, and so every workable piece of their property was growing something for us to eat. And uh, so we had the garden down one side, and then on this side of the garage was a peach tree. And she grew this peach tree, and, and in between the garden and the peach tree was the compost pile. And I always remember the compost pile it had a funny smell of decaying fruit. I would walk by and see cantaloupe and watermelon scraps and pieces of broccoli or cucumber ends or whatever was sitting there just slowly decomposing. There was always flies around there. And I I remember that, and it's important to mention because in between that garden and the peach tree was the compost pile. The compost pile was almost at the base of the peach tree. And it's really important because it meant that this tree in particular was very well nourished. Because the soil that the tree was planted in was very healthy. It had health on the inside. So the tree was able to produce peaches on the outside. And boy, did we enjoy those peaches. My grandmother would can those peaches. 
and put them in big mason jars and put them in the wine cellar in the basement. And then in the dead of winter, when it was time to eat pancakes in the morning, we didn't use maple syrup. We got Nona's peaches and brought them up and poured the peaches and the juice all over our pancakes. And by God, it was delicious. And we got to benefit from and experience the fruit of a tree that was healthy. You see, part of the reason God wants to put his spirit in our lives is so that his character becomes developed on the inside of us. And in doing so, we produce fruit that becomes a blessing to somebody else. Oh, can you give me a better amen than that? We produce fruit that becomes a blessing to somebody else. Amen. So the big question here, which may seem obvious to us, is how does a tree stay healthy on the inside? If, 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 if interior health is needed to produce good fruit, how do we keep the insides healthy? What is the key to keeping that tree healthy? And the answer, of course, is healthy soil. Amen. Light, water, and nourishment can be given to a plant that's been taken out of its soil and it still won't grow. If you don't believe me, just try just, just take a potted plant out of its soil, go set it on your back porch, and just give it all the light and water you possibly could. Just pour miracle grow on that thing. It's going to die in 48 hours. Why? Because it's been taken out of its environment, which is its soil. Now, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus helps us with a parable to understand that the source of healthy fruit is healthy soil. And I want to begin reading, and there's a lot of verses to cover, so Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 3. Jesus is talking to a multitude here, and he says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it, and some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Everybody say fruit. But the other seed fell on good ground. And it yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And then he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. Now I want you to skip down to verse 13, and we're going to continue reading now Jesus' explanation of the parable that he just got done explaining. And now he's away from the multitudes, and he's talking to the disciples by themselves. And he says this, verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones who are sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. How many of you have heard this parable before? I, in preparing uh, this series and in studying these things out, recognized how critically important an understanding of the parable of the sower was to learning how to walk in the fruits of God's Spirit. If you want to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to walk in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, if you want to walk in all those things, you got to learn the value of the parable of the sower. So we're going to pick this apart a little bit today. And I want to encourage you not to think that you've heard this all before. 
Real quick, just disclaimer, just right at the top. If you've heard this parable taught before, I want to encourage you today not to just go, okay, parable Mark 4, yeah, parable so, yeah, okay, yeah, so, 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 word, got it. <laughs> Been there. Now, I want to encourage us to actually press into this today because I believe God's going to show us some things maybe that we didn't even see were in there before. How many of you recognize you haven't gotten everything there is to get of God? Jesus said the truth will set you free. How many of you know you can walk in more freedom than you're walking in right this second? So let's just go hungry, okay? Let's come to this passage hungry. There's, there's a, a scripture that I'm going to mention towards the end, which you've heard, I'm sure, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and it says, to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. You've probably heard that before. By the time we get done with this parable, I believe you're going to have a greater appreciation for Proverbs 4 and for the concept of guarding your heart. The sower comes through to sow the word, and I want to take just a minute to define the different items that Jesus is basing his parable on. Let's define those right from the get-go, and then let's talk about uh, what he says. Number one, we have the sower. Number two, we have the seed. And number three, we have the soil. We have the sower, we have the seed, and we have the soil. One more time for those in the balcony. We have the sower, we have the seed, and we have the soil. The sower is whoever is speaking the word. Not just in a church service, Although Jesus did say that this was a person was speaking, so it could be in a church service. It also could be over a coffee table. It could be a conversation with, between friends on the phone. It's any time there's a person who is sharing the word of God, the living word, with another person. That person is the sower. The seed, of course, is the word of God. That makes sense. We understand that. And then number three, the soil is your heart. And I'll say it this way. It's the various conditions of your heart. I want to submit to you at the very beginning that your heart has all of these different kinds of soils in it. Yeah? You know, if you, if you walked around on this property, because it's pretty big, it it's, it's actually goes up to the ridge up behind the trees where we can't really even see all the way up there, but it's a pretty big property. If you were to take soil samples from different parts of this property, you'd get different results. Yet it's all the same property. You see, your heart is your heart, and there's places in it, there's corners of it, there's spots in it where the soil looks one way. And then there's other spots where the soil looks another way. Amen. And Jesus wants to see us as the, as the church, as Christians, be developed in our heart so that our entire heart becomes good ground. Amen. Amen. So the sower comes through this field. I want you to imagine a field for just a second. I, I was... Um, I was Earlier this year, in the, in the month of May, had the chance for work to go to Denison, Iowa, which is, if you've never been there, uh, well, you've never been there because it's just, <laughs> it's, it's on the way to nothing, okay? And it's a little tiny town, and it's, but it's a great place, and we met some wonderful people there. But you go just outside of town, and I'm not kidding you, it's cornfields, and it's pretty flat. There's some rolling hills, but it is cornfields for tens, fifties, hundreds of miles in literally in every direction. And, and there's these, these long, mostly straight country roads that just cut through these cornfields. So it's easy, if you think of that, to, to imagine your heart like one of those big blocks where the corn is planted. And there's a road going alongside of it, and, and, and there's the pasture, or excuse me, there's the planted agricultural land right beside the road. This is a picture of our heart. Now, the sower comes through that area, comes through that block of crops to sow and scatter the seed of God's word. And as the word is scattered, it hits all the areas that Jesus describes here. The wayside, the stony soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. Four places that Jesus identifies for us. The wayside, the stony soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. What does the soil represent? Your heart. Keep this in mind. 
It says here in verse, let's see, 15, says that these are the ones sown by the wayside. Everybody say wayside. wayside. These are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, what happens? Satan immediately comes, right? Y'all see that I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. Amen. The devil's real. He's defeated, but he's real. Okay? And what is he after? The word. Amen. What's the devil after in your life? The word. I mean, he hates you. Make no mistake of it. The devil doesn't like you. Amen. I heard a good snicker out of Willie on that one. Good one. The devil doesn't like you. But guess what he hates even more than you? The word. Amen. I'll say amen. He doesn't like you, but he hates the word even more. And so when, when the, the word gets scattered, how many of you know the goal is for the word to fall on the soil? But according to this, Jesus says there's some seed that gets scattered on something called the wayside. Now, this is the word, the word wayside is a word which means a road or a way. It's important to note that this is not a soil type. Just think about that for a second. This is not a soil type. This is the road beside the soil. Remember I described to you those cornfields and how those country roads just go and cut through those big blocks of agricultural land? There's a road and then the field starts. And we got out to take some pictures when I was there because we wanted to see, you know, capture some images. And boy, I'll tell you, those farmers don't waste any space. You get off the shoulder of the road and you take about two steps and boy, you are in the corn. You are in the corn. So the, the, the wayside, as Jesus describes it, is not a type of soil. It can't be. Let me explain what I mean. The Greek word, which is used here, literally and simply only describes a road. So it can't be talking about a type of soil. In other words, it can't be talking about your heart. The wayside can't be talking about your heart. Because it's not a type of soil. It's a word which means a road. And let me tell you, everybody's got a wayside. <laughs> Amen. You got one. You got one. It's describing a road, and it's the road that runs alongside of the soil. And though the seed was intended for the soil, some of the seed just ends up landing on the road as the sower is out there sowing. You follow the picture? Some of it lands on the road. Now, what is a road? I know we're asking real deep questions this morning. What is, what is a road? A road is a place of coming and going. It's a place of travel. It's a highway. What does the road in the parable of the sower represent? It represents your head, not your heart. The other three types of soil are indicative and descriptive of the human heart, but the wayside is descriptive of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's the part of you that runs right next to the heart. The Bible calls it your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your soul and your spirit, your, your head and your heart, they run right next to each other. And what happens is as the sower comes to sow the word into your heart, some of it lands on your head. The wayside in this parable represents the highway where thoughts, feelings, emotions, and desires come and go. How many of you can recognize that you have a thought, it's here today, gone the next second? You have an emotion. We always talk about the emotional roller coaster that people are on. One minute, you're, it's great. Next minute, you're like, what a terrible day. Those emotions are traveling along the superhighway that God designed called your mind. And it runs right along next to the soil of your heart. It's the wayside. It's the place where emotions and desires come and go. The road is a place that is too hard for seeds to penetrate. And you know what the problem with the seed that lands on the road is? You know what the unfortunate reality is? 
when the seed never gets past your head? The problem is that seed that landed on the road is seed that never got into the heart. It landed in the, it landed in the mind and never got past there. Do you know what happens to, to when the word only gets into your head and never goes beyond that? You know what happens? Jesus told us exactly what happens. The thief comes and just steals it. Wow. You know what happens when the word only infiltrates your emotions and never gets beyond your emotions? The thief comes immediately and steals it. The birds of the air come down and they, boom, they get it. Why? Because it never got absorbed by your heart. Now, there's a couple reasons for this. There's some preaching that's just aimed at your emotions. And boy, you'll get all fired up and get all stirred up about it. And you, woo, we'll have a great time and we goosebumps and we feel great and we emotionally got charged. But if that word doesn't make it past your emotions, it's gone. It's not going to do you any good. This is why you and I and others that we've, we've seen in this world can go to church for 20 years and hear emotional message after emotional message after emotional message and wonder why they're not mature. And wonder why, oh my gosh, I haven't gone any farther. It's because, it's because we've been, well, anyways. There's, there's many reasons for this. One of them is that we need to do more than, as preachers and we need to preach more than just emotionally good messages. We need to preach more messages that go past your desires and your emotions and actually penetrate your heart. And you know what else? We need to be good hearers people who are willing to take the word when it is genuine and when it is the word and let it get past our thoughts and let it get past our desires, let it get past our emotions and actually penetrate our heart. This seed that landed on the wayside was intended for the heart, but it never made it there. This is the seed of the word that never made it into the ground of the heart. So what happened? It was never received. The only word According to Jesus, in this verse, the only word that is stolen is a word that's never received. Whew. Y'all missed a great spot to say amen. Okay. The only word in this parable that doesn't get stolen is the word that doesn't get received. In order for it to be received, it accesses the heart. Now, let's keep going. We got a lot more to say. Likewise, verse 16. These are the ones sown on stony ground. Now, now we're getting into the soil. Okay, now we're getting into the soil. The first type of soil is stony soil. What does stony soil represent? For those taking notes, stony soil represents the divided heart. Everybody say that, the divided heart. It's soil on the surface, stones underneath. It's divided. It's not all one thing. You follow? It's like a parfait. <laughs> Man, you know sometimes the Holy Spirit will just give you little nuggets while you're in the middle of preaching and you didn't put them in your notes but they just came up. The stony soil is like a doggone parfait. It's just layers of stuff. Amen. <laughs> oh, everybody love a parfait. Anyway, y'all remember Shrek and Donkey? Anyways, we'll leave that where it is. It's soil at the surface, stones underneath. It's like a planter box or, or, or a terracotta pot. If you've ever planted a, a plant at your house and put it on the back porch, you put it in some kind of container, right? Imagine if you took that container and filled 90% of it with rocks and then you filled the last inch or so with beautiful potting soil or beautiful topsoil. Man, it looks good from the outside. Not going to grow anything. Why? Because it's divided. It's separated. It's fragmented. There's soil, but there's only a little bit of soil. Jesus said this kind of soil has no root, meaning it has no depth. It's just a thin candy shell of topsoil. This means two things. Number one, it's shallow. Number two, it's superficial. I told you today was going to be challenging. 
Number one, it's shallow. Number two, it's superficial. Do you ever meet a shallow person? Have you, let's put it this way to bring it right where we live. Have you ever been a superficial person? Have, have you ever had parts inside your heart that were shallow? Places in you that were superficial? Places that you didn't want anybody to know about? Number one, it's shallow, meaning there's not much there. Number two, it's superficial, meaning what's there isn't great. <laughs> the problem with superficial Christianity is that it works. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> the problem with superficial Christianity is that it works. It just doesn't work very long. It just doesn't work very long. As soon as enough sun hits that plant, you realize real quick, it didn't go very deep. Boy, it looked pretty on the outside. Man, that planter box is beautiful. I wonder why this plant's not growing. The soil's perfect. And then you put your hand in there and you realize it's only three quarters of an inch of soil. And then you're hitting rocks. Guys, this is our heart. This is our hearts. Amen. Problem with superficial Christianity is that it works. It just doesn't work for very long. It only works until things get hard. And notice what Jesus says. He says that when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, they start to stumble. I want you to take note that persecution and tribulation is not just coming for you. Once again, what's the devil after? He's after the word. If you're getting persecuted in this world, guess why? You're getting persecuted because the word is in you. The devil is coming to see if there's word in you that he can get rid of, that he can overcome. Because there's no depth here, because within themselves, this person has no sense of absolutes. They have no sense of commitment to what they have heard because their heart is divided. It only takes a little discomfort to unseat the word. And they go, ah, you know what? I said I didn't really believe that anyway. Look what Jesus said. He said they immediately received the word with gladness. Woo, great. Oh, yeah, great revelation. Heavy revy, brother. Yeah, woo. But then two weeks later, where are they? Nobody heard from them. What's going on? Everything okay? Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. People's hearts are in the balance. People's hearts are on the line. When somebody gets flaky, don't get angry. Somebody gets flaky, don't get angry. Get compassionate. Find out why. You see a brother or sister's not sitting here this morning. Where are they? Are they okay? What's the soil their heart look like? Did they receive the word a couple weeks ago? But maybe they need a little bit of encouragement now to help get the stones out so that we can see the soil get a little bit deeper, so that we can see them dial in and get more, uh, you know, more connected to what God's saying to them. Moving on. I don't have enough time to spend all the time I want to spend in each one of these soils, so we got to move. Jesus goes on in verse 18, and he says, these are the ones that are sown among thorns. Y'all doing okay, by the way? Everybody good? Okay, let's keep going. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and they be, become unfruitful. Unfruitful. What's the goal of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? Fruit. So this, unfruitful, that's a problem. Right? That's a problem. This is the thorny soil. This thorny soil represents... The neglected heart. The neglected heart. The, the stony soil was the divided heart. The thorny soil is the neglected heart. 
This is the soil where anything's allowed to grow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is the soil where anything's allowed to grow. Oh, yeah, pastor, I read the word. So what? I look at porn. Oh, you know what, pastor? Yeah, praise God, I pray. So what? I'm harboring bitterness. Man, I can't stand that moron that I work with, but praise God, brother. Aren't you having a great day? This is the soil where anything's allowed to grow. It's the neglected heart. It's the heart that's been a it's the heart that's been abandoned in search of other flashier things. This soil represents the corners of our hearts where anything goes. Nobody took time to monitor what was growing in this soil. You ever walk by a garden that's got waist-high weeds? Maybe there's a cucumber plant in there somewhere, but it's not producing anything. More than anything, this is a heart that's been untended and ignored for so long that it doesn't look like a garden anymore. It looks like a forest. The weeds are so tall that any good plant gets choked out and starved for attention. Even if you're taking notes, please write this down. Even the best plants get choked in soil that gets neglected. Even the the best, I'm telling you, even the most robust, multi-generational, 200-year-old heirloom tomato seed I mean, we're talking about the greatest seeds that have been passed down from generation to generation. Even the best, most robust, hardy, amazing plants can't grow where there's too much competition because the soil's been neglected. The weeds come and they steal away the nutrients, they hinder the fruit, and ultimately they choke and kill the good plant. The interesting thing about this is that Jesus says in verse 7 that there's growth but no crop. See, the word that lands on your head and never gets past it just immediately gets stolen. The word that goes into your heart when it's divided comes and it springs up and then it dies. This is the word which, this is the heart that's the most problematic out of all of them is the thorny soil. Because this is the one where the thorns and the good plant can grow simultaneously. The problem is that the good plant never produces anything. Jesus said there's no crop. There's growth, but there's no crop. There could be loads of activity, no fruit. Lots of ministry, very little fruit. Beware. Beware. Lots of activity in ministry, very little fruit to show. Beware. Jesus said there's thorns that come. He's not just talking about the individual thorns. He's talking about a thorny plant, a weed. What are the weeds? Number one, the cares of this world. I don't have time to get into these. I could preach a whole message on each one of these things. Number one, the cares of this world. That's when you measure yourself by the world's standards. Number two, the deceitfulness of riches. That's a false sense of security put in, in the, uh, created by the world's monetary system. Number three, the cares of other things. Everybody say distractions. <laughs> These are the things Jesus said that choked the word out of our lives. Finally, we move on to good soil. Y'all glad we finally got to something positive? (laughs) Praise God. The good soil, what does it represent? If If the stony soil represented the divided heart... The thorny soil represented the... The unkempt... Unkept heart, the heart that had gone wild. What does the good soil represent? It represents the pure heart. 
Above all else, the pure heart is what? It's productive. Why? Because there's nothing that the word has to compete with. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. These things are, these are heavy things this morning, guys. This is weighty stuff, okay? And I'm sharing this because I know you can handle it. Above all else, the pure heart is productive because there's nothing to hinder growth. There's nothing for the seed to have to overcome in order for life to grow. You know what I love about this passage or this portion of the passage? What I love about the good heart, the pure hearted soil? I love that this soil gets measured by multiplication. This soil is the only, the only thing that Jesus is describing that doesn't get measured by how quickly it can get stolen, how quickly it dies out, or how benign it is. This soil gets measured by how much it's multiplied. You might be able to squeak out a few bits of fruit from those other types of soil, but it's only in the good soil where the fruit is so robust that it's measured by how much it multiplies. And, and when Jesus is talking about, let me, let me nerd, can I nerd out with you for just two seconds? When Jesus is talking about 30, 60, and 100 fold, let me, let me clarify that. 100 fold doesn't mean 100 times as in multiplication. It can't be. There's limitations to how big a field is, right? Hundredfold doesn't mean a hundred times. It's not multiplication in that sense. Hundredfold means that every plant in the field is producing at 100% of its capacity to produce. How many of you are familiar with the Pareto principle? Okay. How many of you are, let me put it to you this way. How many of you have heard of the 80-20 rule? Still nobody is bold enough to raise their hands. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> the Pareto principle, or what we call the 80-20 rule, is a principle that was named after the famed economist Vilfredo Pareto. Sounds like a good guy, doesn't he? He, he, was, he was an economist, and he, he noticed one day, he had 10 bean plants in his garden, and he noticed that two out of the 10 produced 80% of the crop that he got. And the other eight produced the remaining 20%. That's standard production. That's standard production. A hundredfold return is where every limitation has been removed and unnatural growth happens. We would call it supernatural growth. If the 80-20, or more appropriately termed, 20-80 rule is the standard return for plants, then a hundredfold return is nothing short of supernatural. Instead of two out of the 10 plants producing a bunch and the other eight just like, meh, I'll give you a bean here and there. Instead of that, all 10 plants are producing as much as it's humanly possible or plantally possible for them to produce. All 10 plants are cranking out so much, so fast, you can't keep up with it. That's a hundredfold return. And that's just the point of this whole thing, is that when God's word is planted into the parts of your heart that are utterly pure and utterly submitted to him, and where all stones and all weeds and thorns have been removed, when that happens, God's word planted in your life will produce nothing short of supernatural results. People won't have any understanding as to why you keep walking in love even though those people hurt you so bad. They have no understanding of why you're so joyful when everything around you is crumbling. It's absolutely supernatural what God's word will do when it's planted into the purest parts of your heart. Nothing short of supernatural you say, what does this have to do with Galatians 5? Everything. Everything. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. These are the fruits God wants to see come out of your life. God wants you and I to be the most merciful people in Watauga County. 
God wants us to be the most loving, generous, long-suffering. What does that mean? Ridiculous patience. We're going to get into that next week. A couple weeks from now, actually. Let me close with this thought. Y'all still doing okay? I'm a couple minutes over my time, but I don't care. Why would God want to make us aware of our hearts by comparing our hearts to soil? Why would Jesus want to make us aware of this parable? It's because our hearts are where the Holy Spirit intends to plant the seeds which will produce his good fruit in our lives. Therefore, our hearts must be attended to and protected with every measure of diligence. Look up here. Y'all remember when I said at the beginning, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, what does it say? It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. My goal was for that verse to mean something new by the time we got to the end. Listen to what it says in the New Living Translations, the same verse. Just listen to this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen to the NLT or the NIV. Above all else, somebody say above all else. More than you focus on anything in this world. Come on. More than you focus on your job, more than you focus on your status, more than you even focus on your marriage or your family or your church attendance or your ministry or your career or anything. Listen, this is an absolute statement made to us by by Solomon in the Proverbs. Above everything else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. The thorny soil, the stony soil, the good soil, it's all in there. But if it's unguarded, it'll all become the thorny soil. If it's unguarded, it'll all become the thorny soil. As I was um, sharing with my wife yesterday, I, was, I knew she was going to be taking her turn and the kids uh, this week, and so she wasn't going to be in here to hear the message. And as I often do, I talk to her about whatever I'm preparing. And I, I was talking to her about this yesterday, and I was just reading down through some of the notes and hitting the high points with her, you know. And as I got done... We were talking, we were getting ready to leave the house actually, and I was putting my shoes on. We had just finished going over these notes and talking them through, and the Holy Spirit said this to me so clearly. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, it wasn't spooky, but it was simply the Spirit of God speaking on the inside, and I knew it was him talking to me. Because there are two types of hearts that are not mentioned in this scripture. And the Holy Spirit spoke this so strongly. Notice the types of hearts that aren't mentioned in the passage. I said, what are they, Lord? He said, they're the callous heart and the broken heart. I mean, we got the thorny heart. We got the stony heart. We got the good ground. We got the wayside, which is when our stinking head gets in the way. And he said, notice the ones that aren't there. The callous heart. And the broken heart. I said, Lord, what's the callous heart? He said, it's the heart that's been hardened by sin. It's the heart that's been repetitive, repetitive, repetitive in the same thing, stuck in the same mess, stuck in the same problem. And and listen, this can be a saved person or an unsaved person. A heart that's trapped 
in sin, a heart that is being abused by the, by the problems that sin creates in our lives. Make no mistake of it, the grace of God is stronger than any sin, but sin still creates problems in our lives. The callous heart is the heart that's been so covered over that it can't feel anything anymore because of the effect of sin. And the broken heart is the heart that's been so busted up so many times that it's not even in one piece anymore. And the Holy Spirit said, pay attention to the two parts that aren't mentioned in that scripture, the callous heart and the broken heart. And I said, Lord, why do you want me to talk about those two? They're not in the verse. Because he said, it's easy for me to fix the callous heart and it's easy for me to fix the broken heart in a moment. The Bible says in Psalms 147 verse three that he mends the broken heart and he binds up their wounds, the scripture says. You see, the stony heart, you have responsibility there. The thorny heart, you have responsibility there. The good soil, the good heart, you have responsibility there. Keep it good. How many of you know God's not going to, you know, turn your TV off for you when you've watched too much? You got to be big enough to do that. God's not going to cause the Instagram app on your phone to crash when you've hit your limit. Hello? You got to be big enough to turn that junk off. You see, we have responsibility with those first three types of soil, but it's the ones that sin has produced in our lives, the, the callous heart and the broken heart that God wants you to know this morning, those can be fixed in an instant because the grace of God is so potent and so abundant and so available because the life of God is so available to us that he can undo literally every broken piece of your heart and put it back together again. My dad says and said this when I was growing up and still says it to this day, God can fix any broken heart. He just needs the pieces. He just needs all the pieces. Just bring the pieces to him and he'll, he'll put it back together again. And if your heart's callous this morning because the wages of sin have been working in your life and you've just lost feeling on the inside, God can fix that today so easily. His spirit can go to work on the inside of you. I want us to bow our heads. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.